All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. Good to see you this morning. I'm excited again about this series we are in. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and we are in a series on family, on family. Uh, we're actually in week three, and we're, we're doing a series, an entire series on family, because if you haven't noticed, families are under attack. They really are. Uh, why are they under attack? Why does the enemy work so hard to destroy families? Well, he works so hard to destroy families because he knows if he can get you not to trust your own family, if he can get you to be a little skeptical of your own family, he knows you'll naturally be a little untrusting and skeptical of the family of God. Again, the enemy he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he seems to be having his way in a lot of families today. Uh, he wants to rob us of hope. He wants to rob our homes of hope. He wants to rob us as individuals of hope, and so that's why we're in this series. We're, we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen in our own families, and so we're looking at practical things that we can do that will move us closer towards God or, or move us towards God and closer to the things of God. And so we started this series by talking about marriage. How many people were here for that message? Started talking about marriage. Then uh, last week we started talking about kids. A lot of times kids get introduced into marriage. And so this week I want to talk to the singles in the room. Uh, see, what happens a lot of times is we'll have a message about marriage and all the single people in the room will go, great. This is not going to apply to me. I don't have to listen or really apply anything, but I'll just humor the pastor and I'll listen. Uh, and so, you know, we'll do the message. Then a little while later, we'll say, hey, we're going to do another message on marriage. And all the single people again are like, okay, great. Uh, I'll listen, but this doesn't apply to me. Then a little while later, we'll do another message on marriage. And all the single people are like, man, these married people need to get it together. Why are they always in crisis? You know what I'm saying? So today we're flipping the switch, you know what I'm saying? We're going we're gonna to talk about the singles in the room, but I know what's happening with the married people. Right now you're like, great, now I don't have to pay attention, you know what I'm saying? This doesn't apply to me, but no, 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 it's going to apply to you too, because if I had to give the message a title, this would be the message. It would be question single people need to ask that smart married people continue to ask, Okay. Questions that single people need to ask that smart married people continue to ask. And so hopefully this message really is for everybody. How many in the room? You're married. How many people in the room? You're single. If you're not raising your hand, I didn't ask you if you know you were like, you know, married and want to be single. You know what I'm saying? I said, hey, this really should apply to all of us. You know what I mean? If you didn't raise your hand, it's just because you're no fun and you're not participating. Again, if you'll participate, you'll enjoy it more. And if you'll participate, I'll preach better. I promise that's how it works. All right. So again, this really should apply to all of us. But let me preface the, the message by saying this, if you're perfectly content, if you're single and you're perfectly content with being single, that's fine. Uh, the Bible actually teaches that uh, if you don't want to get married, that's fine. You don't, have to get, you don't have to get married. You're perfectly fine being a, a single person. Uh, why? Because the Bible actually teaches that uh, if you get married, it is a huge stressor and it is a huge uh, distractor. And there are probably some people in the room like, I don't believe the Bible actually says that. But it really does. I want you to see some things the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but I wish everyone were single 
just as I am. Now, let me stop for just a second, because when he says, I wish that everybody was single just as I am, I want you to understand that Paul is not saying this because he's trying to format some sort of app on his phone for single people to date. You know what I'm saying? He's not saying this because he's trying to generate income. He's not saying this because there's somebody that he likes that's already with somebody, and maybe if they weren't together, he'd have a better chance at securing a date with that individual. He's not saying that, but he says, I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet, each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Verse 8, he says, so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. So, so what, did Paul, what did Paul say there? He said, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Uh, but look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Here's what he says. He says, but. Everybody say, but. but. Man, do a little better than that. Everybody say, but. but. He says, but if you can't control themselves. If you can't control yourself, if they can't control themselves. What's he talking about, Pastor? He's talking about sex. That's what he's talking about right there. He's talking about sex. He's saying, hey, you know what? If you want to enjoy sex, if you want to be a part of uh, that in your life, uh, you know, you better find a husband or you better find a wife. Why? Because sex is reserved for marriage. Everybody know that? Sex outside of marriage is, is wrong. So he says if you can't control yourself, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with what? With lust. Again, in your life, if you're going to have this urge to merge or the need to breed, you got to get married. If you can't control yourself, you need to get married. Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, I'm going to say that on Facebook. Anyway, <laughs> look at what else he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The very end of verse 28, look at what he says. He says, however, those who get married at this time will have troubles. What did he say? He said, if you get married, you will. Not you might, not you could. Not you probably will. He said you will. And then look at that word trouble. It's got an S on the end of it. You know what that means? That means you'll have more than one trouble. He says, I'm trying to spare you those problems. You're going to have more than one trouble. Any married people know that to be true? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all drove your trouble to church today. Some of y'all checked your troubles in children's church. Some of y'all sitting next to your trouble. Don't elbow them. But it's true, marriage isn't easy. Marriage is not easy, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. And so Paul says if you're single and you're content with that, that's great. Again, don't miss that. The Bible teaches if you're content there, that's fine. It's not wrong to be single. But the Bible also says that it's fine to get married too. The very beginning of verse 28, look at what Paul says. He says, but if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. Singleness and being married, there's nothing wrong with either one of those two options. The thing is, though, if you're single, singleness is going to affect every aspect of your life. If you're married, being married is going to affect every aspect of your life. Your life. 
And so the questions that we're going to look at today are some questions that will really kind of help you get to know more about yourself. The questions that we're going to look at today are questions that will actually help you become the person that God wants you to become, no matter what your status is when it comes to relationships. And so let's talk about these questions single people need to ask that smart married people continue to ask you. Keep in mind, you want to write them down. The first question we all need to ask ourselves, no matter where we are, is who's in charge of my life? Who's in charge of my life? Again, it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married. The first question you have to ask yourself is, where am I with my God? Am I seeking God first? Because the truth is you can't bring trust into any relationship that you have unless you start by trusting your creator. And by the way, when it comes to your relationships and when it comes to your future, there's only one person who holds your future. See, we spend entirely too much time planning and organizing and trying to figure things out and work things out. Pastor, should I not plan things? That's not what I'm saying. There's an old saying that actually says, you know, failure to plan is planning to fail. And there's some truth to that. But there really are some people who spend entirely too much time trying to plan things out. It consumes their thoughts. They'll lay in bed at night trying to work out this and work out that and work out this and work out that. And some of the things they're trying to work out will never materialize. Why? Because Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see that? Sometimes our plans don't work out. How many of y'all ever just planned something out to perfection and then it just messed up bad? It happens again. Sometimes our plans don't materialize because it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So who's in charge of your life? Do you think it's you? Do I think it's me? Or do we know that it's actually God himself? See, folks, he's... In charge. And until we're submitted to God, until our relationship with God is right, no other relationship that we have in this world will be right. You gotta start with God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, your own plans, your own abilities. Your own, your, your own stresses where you're trying to predict your future. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, are relationships part of your ways? In my ways? Absolutely. Absolutely. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If you have any hope of a good future, you have to start by seeking God first. So you know what that means? It means that you got to build your faith first. That means that if you're single here today and you're happy with being single, that's okay. But you know what you need to do first? Build your faith. If you're single and you want to get married, you know what you need to do? You need to build your faith first. If you're married and you want to have a better relationship with your wife, with your husband, you know what you need to do? Build your faith first. If you've got kids and you want a better relationship with your kids, you need to build your faith first. First, if you want all the relationships that you have in this world to make more sense and to work out, you know what you need to do? Build your faith first. See, 
Your faith, my faith, it's supposed to be the foundation for everything in our life. Does anybody agree with that? Your faith is supposed to be the foundation of everything in your life. It's supposed to be. What that means is your faith should actually dictate or influence what you allow in your life and what you don't allow in your life. Anybody, are y'all with me? Your faith should dictate what you allow in your life, what you do with your life. We agree with that. We think that's true. But unfortunately, it's not the case with so many people. It's not. That's why so many marriages end in divorce. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. 50% of all the marriages that end in divorce. Did you know that 43% of those marriages, the reason why they list they're getting divorced, you know what that reason is? It's incompatibility. We're just not compatible. We're just not compatible. Man, that's weird. Think about that. The average marriage lasts seven years. It took seven years for you to realize you weren't compatible. It took seven years for you to realize your milk was spoiled. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. But what happens? I mean, when we're dating, oh, she's the one. He's the one. It's hot and heavy. Oh, things are great. They're the one. Seven years later, we're just not compatible. That doesn't make any sense. But what happens for most people in marriages is they stop allowing their faith to influence their marriage or they never let faith influence their marriage in the first place. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands will say she won't submit to me. Wives will say he won't submit to, to me. And instead of oneness, what you have is separation. You have separation which leads to divorce. But ultimately, it's because so many married people, again, they don't allow faith to be the foundation of their marriage. Single people, listen to me. Your faith is supposed to influence what you allow and what you don't allow in your life, right? Just like for married people, it's supposed to be like that. So, so many singles today, you know what they're doing? They're shacking up together, living together. And if that's you, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to beat you up. But I want you to know that that's not God's will for your life. It's not proper. It's not proper. Ladies, how many ladies in the room? All the single ladies. All the single. All right. Let me tell these ladies something. Ladies, listen, this is true. You can look all this stuff up. It's on the Internet. It's got to be true. <laughs> ladies, a man who will live with you prior to getting married prior to being married, studies show that they're four times more likely to be unfaithful to you. A man who will live with a woman prior to getting married, studies show they're four times more likely to be unfaithful to you. And you've seen it on Facebook. <laughs> you, you, you've seen it in the, in the, in the, in the in the recording industry, right? The great theologian, Carrie Underwood, would said, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, right? Carved my name into his leather seat, right? Took a Louisville slug in the boat headlights. 
That's the whole and awful. Maybe he'll think next time he cheats, right? That's what they say. Right? Ladies, a man that lives with you outside of marriage four times more likely to, to be unfaithful to you. But men, listen to this. Woo! Men, listen. Men, a woman who will live with you before getting married is eight times more likely to be unfaithful to you. Hey, it happened to JT too. What did he say to Brittany? Cry me a river. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Huh? It's happening. Hey, for real, 70% of couples that live together before marriage will be divorced. They end up being divorced. So why? Why do so many people cohabitate instead of being married? Let me tell you, uh, men do it because, you know, they're, they're trying to have some benefits without the commitment. You know why women do it? Because they're trying to secure a man. I think that'll keep them. But let me tell you, ladies, listen to me. You can put a stop to all this. You can. When he says he loves you, you know what you can say? No, you don't love me. Don't tell me that. If you loved me, you would marry me. If you loved me, you'd put a ring on my finger. If you loved me, you'd walk me down the altar and you would make things right before God and before man. If you loved me, you'd do right. Man, I'm telling you, our faith is supposed to influence every aspect of our life. Our faith is supposed to be the foundation of our life. Man, it makes me so mad. I've heard people say, well, marriage is just a piece of paper. You ever heard somebody say that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's a slap in God's face who instituted marriage. Let me tell you about that little piece of paper. Amanda and I, not too long ago, we bought a house. And you know what? We signed a whole bunch of pieces of paper. And after we signed those pieces of paper, you know what happened? We started having problems. Sewer lines backed up. <laughs> AC went out. If we hadn't signed those papers, you know what we could have done? I'm walking away from this. But because we signed papers, that meant we were committed. Because we signed papers, that meant, you know what? We got to figure this thing out. We got to make the best of it. And that's why you got to get married. Because if you don't, when those troubles come, if, when those troubles come, somebody might be tempted to say, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I'll just, I'll just walk away. But with that piece of paper, you're telling your spouse and you're telling God, man, I'm committed. We're going to figure this thing out. Who's in charge of your life? Second question we need to ask ourselves: single people ask, smart married people continue to ask, is do I help people draw closer to God? Do I help people draw closer to God? Think about it. Think about the people around you. Are you helping them become more like Christ or less like Christ? See, folks, no matter what your relationship status is, God wants to use you to bring others to him. You're, you're meant to point others back to Christ. You say, I don't know about that. I'll prove it to you. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor. That's the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Single person, are you a light in this world? If you're dating, are you a, 
Are you a light to the person that you're dating? I don't mean do you light up their world and make them feel special. It's not what I mean. I'm asking if they're able to actually see Christ in you. Does your commitment to Christ, does it inspire others to a commitment to Christ? Married people, are you helping your spouse draw closer to God? And and when I say that, I don't mean is your attitude and action so bad at home that they don't have anything that they can do but pray. That's not what I mean. I'm asking, does your spouse see your faith? Some of y'all are slow, but you're worth waiting on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amanda's faith. My wife, I hope she's listening. My, my wife's faith in God, it inspires me. Her commitment to God pushes me to a deeper commitment. I will look over and I will see her reading her Bible, and I'm like, I need to do that. I need to do that. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds, nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, he says something in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 that's pretty interesting to me. Look at what he says. He says, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. What did he say? He said, look, keep putting into practice all you've seen from me. Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all that you've seen from me. Keep putting into practice all that you've heard from me. All, all, all this stuff that I've told you about, put that into practice. Single person, can you say that to the people around you? Can you say, hey, everything you see me doing, that's what you need to do? And would that be right? Would it be right? Married, married person, can you say that to the people in your house? Again, married person, are you helping the people in your house grow closer to God? Because that's the goal. That should be the goal for each and every one of us. God wants, again, no matter what our relationship status is, he wants us to point others back to him. We all ought to be nobodies telling everybody about somebody who can change anybody. That's what we need to be. Again, God wants to use us, no matter if we're married or single, to draw people closer to God. The third question that most people have is, what about sex? What about sex? (laughs) I got to be a little reserved because I know we got kids in the room. Amen. Check them into children's church. We love children's church. So instead of talking about sex, we'll talk about hugging. What about hugs? I am (laughs) pro-hug. My wife's listening. I love to hug my wife. Sometimes I'm like, thank God for hugs. You know what I'm saying? Any, any Mary, any, no, I love to hug. But it's problematic. Because people ask all the time, how far is too far in singleness? This is important, folks. How far is too far? And every once in a while, some idiot will say, well, it's different for everybody. No, it's not. Somebody will say, well, the Bible isn't real clear. Yes, it is. Let me show you how clear the Bible is. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, this is your verse. But among you, there must not be even a hint 
of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Listen to me. Because Jesus Christ gave his life for us, he sacrificed his life for us, because God sent his only son to die for us, we have to raise our standard of living. We set our standard very high, and we shouldn't want to know how close we can get to the line. We should be making sure that we're nowhere near the line in the first place. That verse said not even a hint. Look at it. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Everybody say hint. What's that mean? It means a smidgen. This showed up in my, in my memories on the Facebook not too long ago. And so I know I said it, but I'll say it again because it illustrates this point perfectly. How many of y'all like brownies? Man, I love me a good brownie. Homemade brownie. And you put some ice cream next to a warm brownie. Praise the Lord. Right? Man, it's good. Man, if you went over to somebody's house and they said, hey, I just made these homemade brownies. They're fresh. Would you want one? How many of y'all be like, oh, praise the Lord. Yes, sir. I want one. Some of y'all are like, I don't know, a minute on the lips is forever on the hips. But that'd be good, right? I like a brownie. And so what if they cut you that brownie and they put a nice scoop of ice cream beside it said, here you go. They said, hey, before you eat it, though, I think I need to tell you. When I was cooking those brownies, I... I went out in the yard, I grabbed just a little bit of dog poo, and I put it in brownies. It's just a little bit. It's just a hint. It's just a smidgen, but you can eat up and enjoy it. It's not a big deal. How many of y'all eating that brownie? If you eating that brownie, you nasty. I ain't touching that brownie. A little bit of poo is still poo, and a little bit of poo is still bad. And the Bible says there shouldn't even be a hint, not even a little bit of sexual immorality or any other kind of impurity because it's improper for God's holy people. Listen to me, folks. Single person, man. Sex, sex is reserved for marriage. Sexual things are reserved for marriage. And I'm just going to put this out there. You can disagree with me all you want. You're entitled to your own opinion, no matter how wrong it is. But I'm just going to say, <laughs> more I think about it, I'm telling you, I, I, think, I think French kissing is wrong. You can't lick somebody and say that's not a hint of sexual immorality. <laughs> Listen to me. Some of y'all are like, oh, Lord, I ain't coming back here. Listen. This is good preaching. Listen. <laughs> Listen to me, though. The point is, you can't expect to be strong spiritually if you continue to do the things that make you weak. You can't expect to be strong spiritually if you continue to do the things that make you weak. You have to rise to the proper standard. And the Bible says that not even a hint of sexual immorality is proper for God's holy people. So who's in charge of my life? The people draw closer to God? Do I help people draw closer to God? What about hugs? They're good. The fourth question singles ask that smart people, married people continue to ask is, am I fun and enjoyable? Am I fun and enjoyable? Single people, listen to me. Marriage, marriage is, for the most part, is boring. It is. Let me tell you, Amanda and I got married and we went on our honeymoon 
and we went to Disney World, the place in Orlando. Is that world or land? I don't know. We went there. And it was magical. And there was princesses, talking dogs, Mickey Mouse. Oh, it was the happiest place on earth. You know where we were the very next week? We were counselors at a youth camp. The exact opposite of the happiest place on earth. <laughs> so you know what marriage, for the most part, is? Marriage is being a good friend. That's what marriage is. Marriage, marriage is, is putting your spouse's interests above your own interests. Like my wife loves to watch musicals. I think it's the weirdest thing. Because I've never been about to cut my yard and bust out in song. And then all my neighbors come out twirling rakes and singing with me. It has never happened. Never happened. But she likes that kind of stuff. And so I'll watch it with her. And I'll sing along and make her laugh. And when I'm, I'm in the house, I'll just start singing, I do the dishes every day. They pile up in my kitchen when I'm away. And she's, she's like, you're an idiot. But that's all right because I'm her idiot. But again, choose to be interested. I choose to be interested in what she's interested in. And that's what a good friend is. Amanda is my best friend. I mean that. Husbands, how good of a friend are you to your wife? Wife, how good of a friend are you to your husband? Single person, are you fun and enjoyable? Are you a good friend? Don't underestimate the value of a good friendship. Don't. Just being someone who is nice to be around. There's a fifth question that we ought to ask ourselves, especially if we're single, but smart people who are married continue to ask, and that is, is marriage worth all the work? See, a lot of millennials, younger people today, this is the question that they're asking themselves. There's a research group called uh, the Pew Institute, the Church Pew Institute, and, or Pew Development, I'm sorry, and they suggest that 40% of millennials will be divorced by the time they're in their 40s. 40%. See, every generation, starting with the boomers and coming towards us, has decided that they're going to marry less and less because they just don't think marriage works. But the Bible says marriage does work. So who's right? I'll tell you who's right. God. And marriage done God's way has a 100% success rate. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Single men, he who finds a wife. If you're sitting on the couch all the time playing Fortnite and video games, you ain't going to find a wife. God's not just going to drop them right beside you. you got to go out and find a wife. Single ladies, a question you need to ask yourself is, are you findable? 
Do you hide at home? When someone smiles to talk to you, do you smile back or make things awkward? Be nice. Married men, keep finding your wife. Finding doesn't stop at the altar. Continue to pursue your wife. Chase after your wife. I don't mean literally run around the house after her unless that's something that you guys are into. I don't know. I can't be literal a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? Pursue your wife. Invest in her. Invest in the relationship. Date. Laugh. Talk. It'll lead to hugging. It's great. Married women. Keep allowing your husband to find you. Don't close yourself off to your husband. Don't do it. Again, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. And I always want to add to that verse that says, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, labor in vain. See, folks, listen to me. What God says marriage is, and what we say marriage is, a lot of times is two completely different things. But I'm telling you, marriage done God's way has a 100% success rate. See, I'm wrapping up. Almost done, but the problem with our society is, is that we've redefined what marriage is. We're trying to redefine what marriage is. And we haven't just redefined it in one way. We're, we're like redefining it in 10 to 15 ways. See, what most people call marriage nowadays is not what God intended marriage to be. Because marriage is supposed to be built off of a foundation of faith. We've already said this. God has to build it. Yes, marriage is worth the work when you actually let God do the work. And some people will say, well, I just can't afford to get married. It's too expensive. It's too, it is expensive. Man, I did a little Google research this past week. You know how much the average wedding in America cost? $30,000. I'm all about bringing back some cheaper ceremonies. I got two girls. I ain't about to drop 60 large. Y'all crazy. Especially when I just seen on the internet, you can get married at Taco Bell for 600 bucks and have a taco-themed wedding. I saw a video of somebody got married at the cooler section at the, at the gas station. Hey, I'm all about cheaper wedding ceremonies. Because here's what I think. I think entirely too many people spend entirely too much on the wedding ceremony and they don't spend enough money on the actual marriage. Let me tell you what Amanda and I have. We have stubbornness. I'm serious. My family's full of divorce. Her family's full of divorce and we've decided we're gonna be cycle breakers. So for Amanda, divorce is not an option. Murder, maybe. <laughs> not divorce. Not divorce. I'm serious. That we've committed ourselves to be cycle breakers. When I get 50, she might not like me. When she gets 50, I might not like her. 
but we've committed to giving our children and our grandchildren intact grandparents. For richer, for poor, and for better, for worse, in sickness and health, till love, till death do us part. That's, that's what we're committed to. And it's that stubbornness that has kept us together for the last 16 years. And it's that stubbornness that has led us to a deeper level of love in our marriage. I'm telling you, when we say I'm putting myself at the center of the marriage, of course it goes wrong. Of course it messes up. But when we say I'm dying to myself, I'm living for God, and I'm going to serve my spouse, that's when you get the joy and intimacy that you hoped you would find in marriage in the first place. What our world needs desperately is for more cycle breakers to rise up. What our world needs and what our children need so desperately is for husbands and wives to look at one another and say, I'm dying to me for you. When we do that, something beautiful will happen. Joy, happiness, there's going to be troubles. There'll be heartache, there'll be pain. But there will also exist that deeper love. The important thing about marriage that each and every one of us have to understand, don't miss this, is that marriage is the way that God describes the relationship that we have with him. Marriage is, is, is what he wants to do with you and what he wants to do with me. I'm serious. Marriage here on earth is what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Look at what the Bible says. Paul says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's marriage, right? Look at the very next verse. This is a profound mystery. Why? Because I'm talking about Christ and the church. That's the relationship he wants with us. Listen to me, folks. God wants to find you as his marriage partner. God is actively pursuing you. He's actively pursuing me. God is down on one knee and he's asking us to commit to him. God wants to find you more than you'll ever know. Are you findable? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married today. I'm telling you, God has a proposal for you. He says it's time for us to take this relationship to the next level. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you've not entered into that deeper love that exists. You've not, you've not, you've not surrendered to him. He brought you here today so that you could do it. 
And so if you're here and you wanna, you wanna enter into that relationship with God, you wanna be saved right where you are, I'm just gonna ask that you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. I pray that you would make me into a new person. Like your word says you will. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Help me be committed to you all the days of my life. Again, nobody's looking around. But if you prayed to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, would you do me a favor and right where you are, just lift your hand so I can know that God's moving. Amen, 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 amen. Father, I thank you for new life. I thank you for people answering the question that you've extended to them to enter into this marriage with you. I'm thankful, Father, that you looked at me with all my flaws and all my failures and all my imperfections, and you said, you want me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those in this room who are single and married. I pray that they'll think about the life that they're living. Father, again, family is your idea. Family is your plan. And even though we might not all get married, you've invited us to be a part of the family of God. Help us to realize that you want our faith to influence all areas of our life. And I pray, Father, that we would all live for you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.